Hey there, it's Mitch here. And before we get into today's episode, our spring membership drive has officially sprung and we've got one heck of a giveaway. When you make a donation in any amount to Vermont Public by March 16th, you'll be entered to win a new roof valued up to $15,000 thanks to Vermont Construction Company. Your support makes everything we do possible. Make a gift today so we can keep bringing you the trustworthy, reliable news you count on day in and day out. To make your gift, head to vermontpublic.org donate. And thanks. From Vermont Public, this is The Frequency. I'm Mary Angish filling in for Mitch Wortley. It's Thursday, February 15th, and here are today's headlines. Prosecutors, judges, and public defenders told lawmakers this week that Vermont needs to increase spending on the judicial system if it wants to improve public safety. John Campbell is the commissioner of the Vermont Department of State's Attorneys and Sheriffs. He says Governor Phil Scott's budget proposal could force his department to eliminate as many as nine positions next year. And he says that could delay the state's effort to address intensifying concerns about public safety. In order to meet the needs that we're seeing to try to make a dent in it, we need resources. Judges and public defenders have raised similar concerns about Scott's spending plan. Democratic lawmakers say their budget proposal will likely have more funding for prosecutors, judges, and defenders than the Republican governor proposed. And staying in Montpelier, lawmakers in Vermont's House are weighing a bill that would ban the use of seeds treated with neonicotinoid pesticides. Research shows the chemicals are toxic for bees and other pollinators. Quebec, Ontario, and New York have adopted bans, and Vermont would be the second state to do so. Scott McCart, an entomologist at Cornell University, testified to lawmakers earlier this week. He looked at more than 5,000 studies examining how effective coated seeds are at improving crop yields. There was surprisingly limited evidence for benefits from neonicotinoid um, seed, neonicotinoid-treated seeds in corn and soybean. McCart says the pesticides do improve crop yields for vegetables and fruits, and in some cases there are no good alternatives on the market. But he says crop yields for corn have not declined in places where neonics have been banned. The Agency of Agriculture says a ban would disadvantage Vermont farmers. The Champlain Valley Farmer Coalition says it supports a ban in five years, but other farmers have asked lawmakers to call for more Vermont-specific research. One of the largest hospitals in the region says its emergency department is at capacity, leading to delays for non-life-threatening care. Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center in Lebanon, New Hampshire, has experienced overcrowding in the emergency department for the last several weeks, according to a press release. That's due to staffing shortages and seasonal illness, said President Dr. Joanne Conroy in a recorded video message. But she said the delays do not extend to patients with urgent conditions. I want to assure you that patients experiencing a serious medical emergency, such as a traumatic injury, a stroke, a heart attack, will be seen right away. Our medical team will prioritize your care based on the urgency of your condition. Conroy said patients with less serious conditions might have to wait for up to 24 hours to be admitted to the hospital. That's not the case everywhere. A representative at Rutland Regional Medical Center says they are not experiencing unusual wait times. 
Vermonters and Mainers who didn't have enough to eat during the pandemic were able to improve their food security by growing and harvesting their own food. That's according to new research from the University of Vermont and the University of Maine. Meredith Niles is an associate professor in nutrition and food systems at UVM and the paper's lead author. She says activities like gardening, hunting, fishing, trapping, foraging, and raising livestock can be overlooked when making food security policy. There aren't a lot of policies on the books that specifically think about home and wild food production. Um, So I do think it's a great opportunity. We finally have a peer-reviewed published study with data from our state at a large scale that clearly shows this has a difference in food security. Niall says the research shows people experiencing chronic food insecurity are more likely to face barriers to growing and harvesting their own food, but they're also more likely to do those activities. Coming up, I talk to the director of a film about an artist's enclave in Montreal that no longer exists. That's after this. There's a four-story brick building in Montreal that has lived many lives. Beginning in the 1850s, it housed a Catella pasta factory. After World War II, more than 400 workers made coats and other garments there. And for the last several decades, dozens of Montreal's finest painters and artists made their studios in the space. But just over a year ago, the family that owned the building for the last 70 years sold it. Now there are new tenants, and the vibrant artist's community is no more. The film 305 Belchasse from Maxime-Claude Lequier, takes the viewer into several of the studios before that happened with the voices of the artists serving as tour guides. It's part of our Made Here series, now in its ninth season, and the film airs tonight at 8 on our main TV channel. And Maxime-Claude joins me now to share more about the film. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, First, what is your connection to this building? How did you decide to make a film about it? Yeah, it's mostly um, it's with my friends, uh, painters. Uh, the first one uh, that introduced me to the building was uh, one of the characters of the film, which is called Jean-Benoît Pouliot. And uh, Jean-Benoît uh, was the first for me to enter the, his studio space in 305 Belchasse. And, uh, and I went from studio space to studio space and discovered all this beautiful studios that, uh, you know, we're not really invited in some studio uh, art studio space. So that's, 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 uh, that's wonderful to discover that those spaces where full of life, full of creation, full of, of, uh, of art everywhere. So that's, that's, that's mainly my, my first encounter with the trio five of Shastia. Mm. We, we get introduced to the main character of the film, which is the building. And, they mention the wood floors and the high ceilings and just that look of the space and how it's really conducive to their work as artists. It's sort of like like what made your filmmaker's brain light up when you walked in to 305 Belchasse? As you mentioned, the 305 Belchasse, the building itself is a character in itself in the movie. Um, and and we, what's the, the, the it's, it's all the feeling of this this the, the 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 space the memories the the, the ghost like of, of of what has passed from all the, the the years in the building and the presence of the artists all different nine nine different studio that I visit during the film and each of the studio has its own character has its own feel yeah for me it was uh, and it was to try to 
to to tell the the to how I feel about the studio and and maintain that to the respect to the viewers. And I did also as I did only audio interview with the artist. The frequency is supported by MVP Healthcare, offering Medicare Advantage plans made for Vermont and guided by doctors in partnership with the UVM Health Network. Info at uvmhealthadvantage.com. So we don't see them. When I did the interviews, all the artists give them them the, the interview with a lot of intimacy, a lot of, uh, they, they spoke freely about their work, their how they approach work, how they, they, they see art, how they... And how and how the space interact with their with with their work also. So it was really like um, an encounter. Each of us, each of them, gave me a really intimate uh, approach to their creative process. Yeah, you're just mentioning it now, and I'm I'm only now realizing that we don't ever see the artists. Yeah, and maybe that and we, uh, because we don't see them, we allow ourselves to. To, to to be more free, like the, the eye is more free. We can we can travel the the space, and this is also this a really really uh, editing a long and meditative kind of, of of editing. So the viewer is more left to have time to to scrutinize the the image and and to 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 scrutinize what he wants to see in the studio and and have his own idea of what uh, what the art uh, and what the space is about. Yeah. Yeah. I think that definitely comes through too. Like you said, like in the sound design and the certain shots that you're, that you're showing of each specific artist. Well, but it's, it's each, each studio, I, I ask the artist to give me one day without a, anybody at the studio. And I tried, I tried to capture like really wide, wide shot to, to, to enter the space and go in deep and deep and deep in, in all details of every, uh, every aspect of, 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 of the painting, of the remain painting. And also there's a, a lot of uh, sound design also that what, what they listen or not listening or what, what is the feel of the, of every studio. And the challenge was, was, was always to, to find all the coherence between the artist, the art, and the studio space. That's the, the, the contrast between each and every studio that is that makes the, the film exciting in a way. Mm. Oh, that's so intriguing. Can you sort of give us an update on the current status of that building? Did they leave voluntarily? Were they evicted from that space? Yeah, that's a sad, sad part of the story. Actually, they all get evicted from the the space of so the new owner uh, uh, did not want artists there anymore, and the and um, and everybody was uh, is spreading is spread around uh, the central uh, of Montreal. So they were spread east or north or and it's a film about memories, but it's sad in a way. But I was I was lucky to capture the memory of the building before it, everything has gone. So now they all renovated and. I think the building is for uh, some uh, some 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 business office uh, space, and it's half empty. But uh, this is something that 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 is at all big cities in the world have the same issues, which is like uh, the center of the the the, the city. Uh, to, artists go to to different places. The 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 the, the, the place become. Uh, uh, super interesting for investors, and after a couple of years, the artists cannot afford to stay 
so they 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 move away from the from the cool car and doing and go far away and and do another cool 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 neighborhood that that they cannot afford in ten years. So that's the cycle. Well, Maxime Claude, thank you so much for talking a little bit more about 305 Alsace. Um, I really appreciate learning more about it. Thank you so much. Québécois director Maxime-Claude Lequier's film 305 Belchasse is the latest entry in Vermont Public's Made Here local film series, and it airs tonight at 8 on our main TV channel. Thanks for listening to The Frequency today. We had additional reporting from Peter Hirschfeld, Abigail Giles, Lexi Krupp, and Elodie Reed. Our executive producer is Kevin Trevelin, and our music's by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Mary Engish. Talk to you tomorrow. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.